we're in a series here at Walk Church that, if you know the title, go ahead and shout it out. Man, we got to do a little, I'm just, I'm just hope, hopeful that there's a lot of new people here, you know? We're in a series that we've titled Victory, yeah. Victory. So come on, give me a strong victory here. Victory. Somebody say victory. victory. All right, if you're online, put it in the chat. Like you got some victory on your life. Like you're on the winning team. Like Jesus didn't stay in the grave, amen? You are on the winning team when you're in Christ. And that's what we've been talking about since about a month ago. We, we opened up to John chapter 12 and we spent some time on Palm Sunday reflecting on Jesus as he makes his way into Jerusalem, this, this holy ascent uh, up to Jerusalem to, to get ready to die on a cross for our sins, to rise from the grave. We've been in this series as we've been talking about victory and a few things that we've covered so far. One, we, we covered on that first Palm Sunday that Jesus was declaring three things about his kingship when he strolled in that day on the donkey. I'll put up three, these three on, on the screen. Number one, he's on time. Yep. Come on, just say it with me really quick, just so you can hear it in your own heart. He's on time. He's on time. I don't know about you, but I've had several moments where I've just needed to remember my God is not in a hurry. He may not be on my schedule, but he is on time. And that's true for everybody here because somebody here today is probably waiting for something, waiting for clarity, waiting for a phone call, waiting for an opportunity, waiting to get in a situation, waiting to get out of a situation. I just want you to know you can trust his timing. Not only that, but he's in control. God's never had a uh-oh surprise moment. He's always been in control, and that's still the same today. And here's the good news about this. He's not just on time and in control, but his posture today humble. Why is that important? Well, because today if you're here and you have a past and maybe you have a lot of brokenness in your life currently, or maybe you're struggling with addiction, or maybe you're struggling with sexual sin, or just struggle in general, you're just trying to figure out how to maneuver through life, you are in the perfect place today. Because Jesus' posture to you today is not prideful. Jesus's posture to you today is not with his back turned to you. His posture today is leaning and humble. In fact, Jesus tells us to come to him and to come to him weary and to come to him heavy and to come to him broken because he's the one who puts us back together. And I want to encourage you to come to him today. Amen. Online in the room. Hear me. Today's a good day to come back to Jesus. If that's where you're at today. When we made our way from Palm Sunday, we celebrated the Passover Seder together, and we looked at the Last Supper there, and then we made it to Good Friday where Jesus dies on the cross and brings the atonement to life where he pays the price for our sins, past, present, and future. It's something that only he could do. We celebrated the cross because through his death, we experience life. And Jesus goes into the grave, is buried for three days, and then on that Easter Sunday, we, we declared triumphantly that because Jesus rose, we can rise too. Amen? We talked about three things to rise above. I'll, I'll put these on the screen. Rise above sin. Don't let sin hold you down. Let, don't let sin hold you back. Rise above it. We talked about how you can rise above shame. If you feel like shame has been the story of your, your life or your season, you can rise above it. Because Jesus rose, you can even rise above self. 
I feel like sometimes our biggest enemy is ourself. Ourself will get in the way and start talking us out of following Jesus. Sometimes you might even wake up and yourself will say, go back to sleep, but that's not the best decision. Sometimes you got to say, no, I got to get to church today. There's a word for me. I got to rise above it. Rise above sin, shame, self, because Jesus rose, we can rise above anything. We continued last week into not just the great resurrection story. That's historical fact, but it's transformational for us. But we talked about the great sermon that Jesus preached upon rising from the grave. It's called the great commandment. He talks about it in Matthew 28, and he says, now you go, therefore, and make disciples. In other words, the things that we've been doing for the past three years, I want you to replicate. I want you to go make disciples, baptizing and teaching, and behold, I'll be with you till the end. And we talked about what baptism is and what baptism isn't. We talked about how baptism is a sign, gives you three opportunities to declare something through this sign. It's a sign of new life. When you go into the water and you come up from the water, it's a sign that you're a new creation, that you've left your past in the grave and you've risen with Christ in the newness of life. Uh, praise God for couples like Erica and Nate and Jorge and Rachel last week that got baptized after our service that have declared this new sign of new life. Not only that, but it's a sign of a new calling. It's saying, you know what? I once had my own calling, my own vision, but now I got a new calling. It's to follow Christ. And wherever he wants me to go, whatever he wants me to do, whatever he wants me to say, I trust him. It's a sign of a new association. What does that mean? Well, now that you're a follower of Jesus and you've been baptized, you're now associated with his name. Come on, he's a co-signer on your life. Praise God, right? Like you're going to get up to heaven one day in eternity. And maybe they might even ask. Maybe it's like one of the archangels. Whose name do you come in? And you're able to say, I come in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit, three in one. I'm associated on team Jesus. I'm associated with the Father. I'm associated with the Spirit. That's what gives me access here. My, my Savior died for my sins and my Savior defeated death and rose, and because of that, I'm on his team, and I've, I've gotten baptized as a sign. I, I got the jersey. I've been drafted onto the winning team. I have victory. That's where we've been. That's just a quick recap of the last month, which lands us where we're at today. I want to preach a message to you that is what I feel like sometimes uh, a specific part of the gospel story and a special important part of the Bible that too often doesn't get the love it deserves. Like there's a lot of things within the scriptures in the life of Jesus that get a lot of love. Like for example, Christmas. I love Christmas. Anybody else love Christmas? Some of y'all are already listening to Christmas music. It's a little too early for that. Start in August, not April, all right? But you love Christmas because you love what it represents. It's Jesus coming to earth the virgin birth, Mary and Joseph. And then we love the life of Jesus, Jesus' miracles, his, his walking on water, his, his healing blind Bartimaeus, his feeding of the 5,000, his raising of Lazarus from the dead. Jesus is the miracle worker, amen? We love his cross. We love celebrating the reality that Jesus paid the final debt. We love the resurrection. We love the great commandment. But listen, there's another part of the story. I just want to tell you, Jesus isn't like chilling in Jerusalem somewhere right now. 
Like there's another part of the, the story that we don't tend to celebrate enough. And that's what's called the ascension of Jesus. We're going to call this sermon victory through the ascension. There's one more chapter in this series that I think it's important for us to really understand and just take hold of here today. Look at me, look at, look at with me, Acts chapter one, verses eight and nine. Acts chapter one is where we'll land today, verses eight and nine. When you get there, say, I'm there. All right, we got two people, we're, good. we're getting there. If you need more time, say, hold up. Hold up, Acts chapter one, verses eight and nine. If you're on your way, say, I'm on my way. All right, all right, all right, we're almost there. We got it on the screen. Father, speak to us now through your word. Holy Spirit, open our hearts and open our minds to get better today. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to teach us your word. God, we believe your word is living. We believe your word is active. And we want to eat from it today. So spirit of the living God, pour out afresh on us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, the scripture reads like this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. This first ever and one and only Ascension Sunday brings us into the important part of the story that Jesus finished the test. Jesus finishes the race, doesn't he? Yeah. I mean, I just want you to imagine this moment really quick. Like Jesus completed what he started. He, he ascended back into heaven and sat down at the right hand of the father saying, it is done. I mean, I'm amazed at Jesus' bigness and his follow-through here. Like, just try to, for a second, put yourself in eternity. And imagine Jesus in, in, in heaven thousands of years ago. And he comes up with this master plan. He looks at God the Father, and he looks at God the Spirit, and he says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to earth, and I'm going to handle this. I'm actually going to allow myself to be born as a baby, and I'm going to become a baby in real time. And I'm going to grow up in a city called Nazareth, which nobody really likes and respects too much. And then at 12 years old, I'm going to start teaching the, the, the rabbis. And as I grow, I'm going to get a job. And I wonder if the angels were like, what? He's like, yeah, J-O-B. I'm going to become a carpenter. I'm going to work with nails. I'm going to work with my hands. I'm going to submit myself to parents. And I wonder if they were like, you are? And he goes, and not only that, but then I'm going to be nailed to a cross. And I'm going to die for the sins of all the world, past, present, and future. I'm going to bear the wrath of God toward sin. And I'm going to take on the debt payment by dying for all of their sin. I will be the final sacrifice the, the sacrificial lamb. And then, and then I'm going to be buried. They're going to put a big stone in front of the, the tomb. And after three days, I'm going to get up from the grave. I'm going to move the stone away. 
I'm going to hang out with the disciples for about 40 days. I'm going to show them the nails in my hands. I'm going to eat some fish. I'm going to teach about the kingdom of God. And then when I'm ready, I'm going to come right back up to my throne where I left off. Imagine Jesus tells that master plan. And now he has done 98.8% of it. And he's there with the disciples and he's on the mountain in Acts chapter one. And he says, all right. He passes them the ball. And in almost like an elevator fashion, he starts ascending up. I wonder if heaven had to be going crazy. I wonder if they had to have been like, yo, he's literally about to beat the game. (laughs) And if I wonder if when Jesus stepped into that arena, oh, gates be lifted up that the king of glory may come in. And Jesus enters into the heavenly holy of holies and shows up on the scene. I wonder if they were like, whoa, he did that. He defeated death. He rose from the grave and he ascended on high. I just get excited about that. Does anybody just feel led to clap and just celebrate the victorious follow through of Jesus? Well, now we see in Acts 1, before he ascends into heaven, he says, but you, speaking to all of us and his disciples on that day, will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Let me just go ahead and double click on this area right here, receive power. If I I could just emphasize this idea, you get to receive a new level of power. Everybody say power. It's the Greek word dunamis. It's where we get our English word. Do you all know? Dynamite. So essentially Jesus is saying in Acts 1-8, you will receive dynamite when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And what will happen is it'll transform you and you'll become my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria. In fact, even in Las Vegas, you'll go to the end of the earth. My disciples, my church, my people are going to be scattered and gathered all over the world filled with the promised Holy Spirit who gives them dynamite power in ways that only he could do. I want to talk to you today about this Holy Spirit and how we find victory in the Holy Spirit through the ascension. And I want to give you three specific ways the Holy Spirit comes into our lives and transforms it. As we look at these, I just want to say today, if I were to list all the things the Holy Spirit does for us, we'll be here for a lot longer than just the next few minutes. In fact, we could probably do a series on on a hundred different ways the Holy Spirit transforms our lives. But today... I want to give you three. Everybody say three. Three. All right. Can I do that? All right. Let me go and give you the first. Number one, the Holy Spirit enables us. The Holy Spirit gives us this enabling ability to move from death to life. Let me give you the harsh reality of the Bible. And I love you enough to be 100 with you. The truth is apart from him, we're dead. Apart from an encounter with the Holy Spirit, the living God, the living spirit, you and I are walking zombies in the city of Las Vegas, Nevada, or wherever you are tuning in for this, you're, you're dead. Christianity is not about making good people better. Christianity is about making dead people live. And in order for that to happen, you have to come into an encounter 
with the Holy Spirit that comes from God himself who enables dead people to come alive. Let me give you a definition for the word enable. Enable means to make possible, practical, easy. Today, if you were to say, hey, Pastor Hyden, man, it's hard to live the Christian life. I would say it, it, it is, especially when you're trying to live it by, by your own self. But I've found that it's not hard for Jesus to live the Christian life. It's not hard for the Holy Spirit to live the Christian life. It's his life. So what, what the truth is, is the more we ourselves can get out of the way and the more the Holy Spirit can live in and through us, he enables us. He makes it possible, y'all. He actually makes living this thing out practical. In fact, he could even make it easy to actually follow Jesus and live this life and, and, and do the things that he called you to do. As long as it's with the Spirit, you have the ability. He enables us to do it. I mean, I want to convince you a little bit further of our radical past history. If you don't know him, this is where you're at in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. It says it like this. It says, you were dead and I just want to make the distinction. It doesn't, it doesn't say you were sleeping. It doesn't say you were coasting. I've just found that that word means literally dead. You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, the following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Brothers and sisters, listen to me. We had the wrong spirit. We had the spirit of disobedience. So the spirit within us was leading us to go the opposite way. But when you get transformed by the Holy Spirit, he turns you around. He picks me up, right? And he puts me on the right path. And he says, I'm going to enable you to do something different. We all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. By nature, we were children of wrath. Then we have verse four, which is just a spectacular verse. Come on, somebody say, but God. Right, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Here's how that happens. When a dead person comes into living contact with the spirit that's alive, new life happens. Charles Spurgeon, the great prince of preachers, says, you know, apart from the Holy Spirit helping us, Apart from the Holy Spirit enabling us, you could literally be in Jerusalem and walk past Jesus dying on the cross, all bloody for all of your sins, and you could walk past him 20 different times and not even notice. Not even feel a thing. That's weird. I wonder what. Somebody could even tell you what he's doing, and you just, oh, don't make sense to me. But one moment where the Holy Spirit enables you and the Holy Spirit comes upon you and he gives you new eyes to see and all of a sudden your heart starts to beat and all of a sudden you see that Jesus differently and all of a sudden you see that blood as precious. It's not just cheap blood. It's not just somebody else's blood. It's the precious blood that washes away our sin. It does something to you, amen? That's what the Spirit enables us to do is to catch that, see that, feel that, believe that, take hold of that. I think about the moment 
where Jesus is crucified and he's in between two other crosses. I don't know if you knew that, but there were other two other individuals who were also crucified on the day Jesus died. And it says on their way to the cross, they were both hurling insults at Jesus. In other words, they were talking smack, right? So they're, they're on their way carrying this big wooden cross. And while they're marching up there, they're saying stuff to Jesus like, yeah, you ain't going to do nothing. You're supposed to be the savior. Now they're on the cross and they're saying, hey, how come you can't save us from the cross? How come you can't get down and defeat these Roman soldiers? You're supposed to be the king. You're not the king. You're not nothing. Right? And Jesus is there hanging from the tree. And while in the middle of them hurling insults, one of the criminals on the cross, what happens? You know how I envision it. They're both hurling insults and something happens for this individual where he goes, And he recognizes that's the son of God. He's not just a man from Nazareth dying for a sin he didn't commit. In fact, he is the Messiah who has come down from heaven on a rescue mission to save us. And this man on the cross has this enabling moment where he goes, I believe. And he looks at King Jesus and he says, hey, yo, yo, yo. Remember me on this day when you go into your kingdom. And I love the fact that Jesus doesn't look at him and say, no, I ain't going to do nothing for you. And what does Jesus do? He says, today you'll join me in paradise. Now, listen, look, don't ever get too far away because we're those thieves on the cross. That's us. Right. And Jesus says, today, this is the day. Jesus doesn't say, well, you, you, you didn't get baptized. Jesus doesn't say, well, your church attendance was a little bit stagnant. Jesus doesn't say, well, you should have done a little bit better in school. Jesus doesn't say, well, you're not quite as righteous as you need to be. No, no. Jesus says, just that, that, that little faith was enough to save you. Jesus says, Jesus plus nothing else is still enough. And that man on the cross would get up to heaven one day and they would say, hey, how'd you get here? And he would say, it was him. It was the one who died for me. I came in there on the wrong side. But something happened while I was on the cross and, and the Holy Spirit enabled me to believe. And even while I was on the cross, I moved from death to life in that moment. And that's my prayer for you, that the Holy Spirit would enable you to do something that's outside of your own power, that's outside of your own ability. He gives us the enabling. That's why it's so important that Jesus ascends. Let me show you a couple verses in John chapter 16. It's in John 16 where Jesus teaches us this in verse 13. It says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you, all that the Father is mine. Therefore, I said to you, he will take what is mine and he'll declare it to you. He, he starts to enable you to understand the Bible. 
He starts to enable you to think about God. He starts to enable you, and all of a sudden, you're maybe in church, and you're like, what am I doing? (laughs) And now you're praising, and now you're singing, and you don't even care what the person next to you thinks because the Holy Spirit is enabling you to do things. He's making it practical. He's making it possible. He's making it easy. Because for some of you, you used to come in here and you're like, man, this praise stuff, can y'all hurry up? I got my notepad, I'll take some notes, but I don't do this thing. And now today it's easy for you. In fact, you love to praise. You love to worship. And I'm not trying to measure anybody's spirituality on what side of the uh, measuring stick you're on because it's Jesus plus nothing. He is the measuring stick. But what I want to encourage you to do is if, you're, if, you got, if you need some WD-40, you need some loosening on your Christianity, the Holy Spirit is the oil. He enables us to do the things we can't do on our own. Let me give you part number two, point number two. Not only does he enable us, but the Holy Spirit empowers us. Empowers us. Acts chapter one teaches us that when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, he will give you Power, dunamis, dynamite. Now, what does the word empower mean? Let me go ahead and show you on the screen. Are y'all still with me? Come on, let's go. We're going somewhere. He empowers us. What does it mean to be empowered? It means that you give someone the authority or power to do something. I love how Jesus, when he gives us his Holy Spirit, he gives us authority. When he gives us his Holy Spirit, he gives us the power to actually take a step. It's the Holy Spirit that enables you to see, enables you to believe, enables you to open your eyes. And then it's the Holy Spirit that empowers you to walk. He empowers you to step outside of your own strength and begin to move in power. Why do we need empowerment? Because in our own feeble selves, we don't possess the power to change. Hear me, Walk. It's not going to be from another self-help book. It's not going to be from a leadership class. And I love leadership. It's not going to be from a motivational pep talk. And it's definitely not going to be try harder, do better. That doesn't work. Can anybody attest to that? Can anybody attest you cannot pull your bootstraps up enough to do this thing? You need supernatural power from God to do this thing. It's too hard to be nice sometimes. It's too hard to to choose God. It's too hard to say, you know what, I'm going to leave my addiction and follow Jesus. Sometimes the addictions will have holds on you until you get supernatural empowerment. Jesus knows we need an advantage. We need a helper. I want you to imagine this moment where Jesus is talking with his disciples and he goes, look, guys, listen, I'm going to give you all the game up front. Pretty soon we're going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to come in on the donkey. I'm going to die on the cross. Then I'm going to rise from the grave. And then I'm going to go defeat sin and hell and Satan. And I'm going to finish my race by getting back to Jerusalem. I sit down at the right hand of the father. And what does Peter say? No, you're not. (laughs) And Jesus goes, get behind me, Satan. Satan is always trying to mess up the plan. But what plan was he trying to mess up here? Jesus' ascension taps the Holy Spirit in to come into our lives and empower us at a next level. Come on, we got any wrestling fans in the room? At least once upon a time, were you a wrestling fan? 
Oh, man, y'all, y'all hating. Come on, where my boy KB at? There he is. Okay. We, we, we in it together, right? And, and no shade and no shame on wrestling. But I used to love the tag team matches. I used to love the moments where, you know, he'd be like right there trying to get to that hand, tag him in. Mm. And I just feel like while Jesus is on the elevator, while Jesus is ascending into heaven, I could just see the Holy Spirit. Tag me in. Now, mind you, the Holy Spirit has existed for eternity. You can go back to Genesis chapter 1 where it says the Spirit of God was hovering over the formless, voidless earth, right? Like the Spirit of God is, has always been and so has the Son of God. In fact, God in Genesis 1, 26 and 27 says, let us make man in our image. Who's he talking to? Nobody was there yet. He's talking to his triune Godhead. God the Father is talking to God the Son and God the Spirit and saying, hey, let's... Let's make a game plan. Let's create people. Let's make them in our image, in fact. And the same triune Godhead has been on a mission to rescue their creation, to get them to see that it's always been about them. And they're good. God, the Father, loves you. God, the Son, loves you. God, the Spirit, loves you. And he comes on a mission. When Jesus tags him in, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. I believe the ascension creates a moment where the Holy Spirit begins to engage at a different level. Has he always been active? Of course. You'll find him in the Old Testament in different pockets. You'll find him in the Gospels in different moments. Holy Spirit's always been. But something about the ascension releases the Holy Spirit to a new tier, a new level of activity where he begins to embody me and you and empower us to do things, listen to me, church, to do things that we couldn't do on our own. We couldn't. We need a different level of power. You know, yesterday, my family, uh, my wife Nina and our four boys, uh, we connected with Pastor Mike and Elsie and and their uh, four kiddos, and we did something super spiritual. We went and saw Super Mario Brothers. Come on, somebody. Yeah. And we got to the movie theater, and uh, it was a great time. And if you're anti-Mario and all that, just pray about it, deal with it. And I'm just like... Um, and, and we're there at the theater and we're watching this movie and there's this thing about Super Mario that kind of God began to speak to me about, and it has to do with this specific figure. I'll put it up here on the screen. It's called the star. Come on. Some of y'all really love the star. Shout out to the star. If you're a Mario Kart fan, you know about the star, right? And you know about, if you're a Super Mario, Donkey Kong fan, you know about the star. And part of the movie, I'm not going to spoil it. I'm not going to give it away. You need to go see it yourself or you don't need to. Whatever your conviction is, is fine with me. But there's something about the star that if you get to the star, it enables you. Doom, doom, doom. <laughs> it, you, you get hit with the star. When you, when you run into the star, doom, 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 I mean, <laughs> something about the star. All right, come on, come on. Y'all have me ready on that one. When you get the star, not only does the star enable you to do stuff you couldn't do on your own, but when Mario and Luigi encounter the star it empowers them to defeat the enemy oh y'all know where i'm going come on right when you get the star 
It makes you see Bowser and Koopa in the Goombas differently, right? It empowers you to take on the enemy. It empowers you to go forth with confidence. What am I trying to tell you here today, Walk Church? We need the star. And the star is the spirit. Listen to me. If I have to tell you this, let me just tell you now. We don't live in Super Mario world. We live in Las Vegas, Nevada in the real world. It's sinful, it's dark, and it's heavy. We, how anybody goes through this life without the Holy Spirit, I don't know. You, 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 you're a zombie. We need the star. And I want to encourage you today through the gospel of Jesus Christ, what God has done for us has created a, a, a star in the Holy Spirit for us to run into, to tag in with him, to be empowered, emboldened, and, and, and enabled to be a different person, a different you. Where it's like, what happened to you? I got the star. You know, something about in the movie, right? Like, why is Bowser the enemy trying to just keep everybody from the star? Because he knows you get the spirit, it's over. He's defeated. I love how Jesus taps into the spirit of God in eternity. And the Holy Spirit, the dynamite. I just want to use this as a metaphor of the Holy Spirit and how he empowers and changes the hearts, the minds, the life of real people like me and you. And we need it, don't we? I've been reading this book called Deeper. It's, um, it's a book uh, by a guy by the name of Dane Ortland, And Dane writes in the book Deeper about how, our, how, how, how we need the Holy Spirit. Let me go ahead and read this quote to you. He says, The natural inertia of all our Christian ministry and living is to proceed out of our own resources, asking God to add his blessing to our efforts. It's how we all tend to operate without even realizing it, even as born-again believers. He goes on to write, but it's backward. When you have a Lamborghini engine under the hood, it's odd to try to get your car going like Fred Flintstone, using the power of your own legs on the ground. Look, all the right doctrine without fire and life will only render us all the more open to judgment on the final day. Fire and life, energy and power are the very glimpse of heaven that we all long to be. This comes only to life yielded wholeheartedly to the spirit and his quiet, gracious, humble, risk-taking ways. I don't want you to be the Christian who's in the Lamborghini filled with the Holy Spirit power and you out here trying to Fred Flintstone it. It's like on Mario Kart, you know, you sometimes would get those little... You hit one of the question marks, and it lands on the star, but you never press A. The Holy Spirit wants to give you a boost. The Holy Spirit wants to give you an advantage. I mean, look at it in John 16 with me one more time. I want you to see it. It says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. I'll send you the star. I'll send you the spirit. The Holy Spirit helps us. Come on, capital H, help. Let me give you Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Look at this verse with me. In fact, read this off the screen with me. Likewise, the spirit 
helps us in our weakness. Oh, somebody say amen. Amen. We don't know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. What a verse. The Holy Spirit helps us with our weaknesses. Anybody else have some weaknesses in the room or just me? Right? I need help. I need Holy Spirit help. I need star power help. We do not know what to pray for. Sometimes you're like, God, I don't even know what to pray for. Like I ought to pray for. Well, guess what? The spirit does. He's been praying for you. He's been praying so much. He's been groaning too deep for words. The Holy Spirit is like, man, I've been trying to work on this person so much. I don't even, I'm groaning. Look, the Holy Spirit's not mad at you. He's praying for you. He's groaning, trying to make you more like him. Let me give you the third and final point, and we are done. Look, the Holy Spirit enables us from death to life. The Holy Spirit empowers us. He's got the power. And finally, point number three, the Holy Spirit exalts Christ. I think we, you may have been tempted to think us. He actually exalts Jesus. The Holy Spirit's job is to make Christ known. So when it says the Holy Spirit will empower you, he says to do what? To be a witness, to spread the word, to spread the name, to make him known amongst all the earth. I think sometimes we get it confused on the power. We think the Holy Spirit's power is like spooky and mystical and Some people would say the Holy Spirit makes them bark like a dog. Like, I don't read that. I I haven't seen that verse. (laughs) The Holy Spirit makes me fall down and shake. I just don't see it. But I do know that the Holy Spirit empowers real sinful people to become real saved people. And then take the real gospel of Jesus Christ to the whole nation and to the nations and to all around the world. One Christian missionary said, in order to be a disciple, you need to have an open Bible and an open map and to trust the spirit of God to say, empower me to do the impossible. Empower me to be the dad that you're calling me to be, the mom that you're calling, the, 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 the spouse, the, the child, the, the disciple. We need the spirit, amen? amen? And the spirit will lift up the son and the son will glorify the father. And the Holy Spirit will empower us to do things that we can never do on our own. As we close, I want to pray a specific verse for you in the room and those online. I want to pray a verse that's found out of Luke chapter 11. The disciples are asking Jesus what to pray for and how to pray. And and worship team, you guys can help us close as we respond. But it's in this moment that Jesus gives some instruction that I think is helpful for our time of prayer. Here's what he says in Luke 11. He says, and I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and to the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. What what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will, instead of a fish, give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? Verse 13 says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts 
to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Amen? Today I want to invite you to ask. The invitation is there. Jesus says, seek, knock, ask, call. How much more will the Father send the Spirit to those who ask Him? If you need help, if you need power, if you need enabling, if you need saving, praise God for the Savior who says, come on, let's do it. I got the star. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for the gospel. Thank you for your life. Thank you for your death. Thank you for your resurrection. Thank you for your commandment. And Lord, thank you for your ascension. Thank you for sending your Holy Spirit while we were dead. Thank you for sending your Holy Spirit while we needed life. Thank you for sending your Spirit to empower and enable us. Right now, if you're here in the room and you need help, or if you're online and you need Spirit help, just ask Him. You just read the verse, just ask Him. Say, Holy Spirit, enable me. Enable me to, to put it into practice. Enable me to do things I couldn't do on my own. Enable me to see. Jesus says, he who has ears, let him hear. He who has eyes, let him see. Lord, we don't want to walk past you and be untouched. We don't want to, we don't want to see you on the cross and be unmoved. God, move us by your spirit. And empower us, God, with dynamite to defeat whatever's holding us back. And if anybody in this room today needs to get saved, right now, if you call upon the name of Jesus, he will save you. So you can just call on his name right now and just say, Lord, save me. I'm ready. I'm ready to go all in. I don't know what it will look like, but I'm just ready to go. You got my yes. I believe you died for me and rose for me. Coming again. Fill me now with your Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.